50s, almost 60 degrees around the upper Ohio Valley, going to the mid-70s today. Down in Charleston, Brad McElhaney, a statewide reporter for Metro News, is with us. Good morning, Brad. Is it as spring-like down there as it is up here? Hey, uh, you know, I, I am concerned about global warming, but um, personally, in this very defined moment, quite enjoying it. <laughs> we've been we've had some really spring-like days in the last few weeks, and I am not complaining. I, it's so springy today. Bob Slider is wearing shorts to work on February. What is this? Twenty third February twenty third. He's wearing shorts to work. So it's it's it's, it's that kind of day. Brad, we are uh, winding down in the legislature. I thought you had a really clever uh, tweet I saw yesterday. You said, if my calculations aren't too far off, this session still has a tax plan budget standoff, a PEIA something or another, a CRT bill out there somewhere, and now RIFRA. Can special sessions and committee of the whole be too far off? That may sound like inside baseball, but your point is, I think, do they have time to get everything done? Well, yes, and also greatest hits of controversies of the past right now all at once. Uh, (laughs) The universes are collapsing. So, yeah, I mean, I don't quite know how these are resolved necessarily. The two sides are still meeting on the the tax proposals, but, you know, I mean, can you – the one thing they've got to get done, legislators – is a budget, and can you can you get a budget done if you don't know right. what the tax situation is? Uh, you know, the revenue and the expenses are the two parts of that. So we will see. Just a lot, a, a lot of important. You know, the session started off very quickly. Uh, first day uh, of the session, the Senate went boom, 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 boom. What twenty four bills, thirty two? I forget the number. They boom, 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 got them done. I thought, holy crap, this is going to be because usually it's sort of a at the beginning, and then a race to the end. I thought in the beginning, yeah, boy, they're they're moving fast. Didn't like what they did, but they're moving fast. But then, you know, now things have just gotten bogged down, a lot of debate. A lot of stuff came out of nowhere at the end. Uh, the PEIA uh, proposal this week, was that in that's, it was in committee? I forget Senator House. But that, that, that sort of surprised me. I knew they were going to talk, talk about PEIA, but... The, the depth of changes they propose kind of came out of nowhere, at least to me. And that's not an easy issue. That's not a quick, let's let's fix it real fast issue. So lots and lots of loss yet to do. Um, but, yeah, that's a, a committee of the whole, or is it? I, I would see special session. Hold on, let me take a look. Look, I got my, got my uh, Indian eye look out. Do, 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 do. Yes, I think I see a special session perhaps on the horizon. If not, nothing else, probably Man. a budget. But. So it's good to follow your tweets and pull all this stuff together for me. I was I was feeling maybe three or four weeks ago, like, oh, uh, what is the point of anything? It's all just headed for special session because these people can't agree. And so then I felt a little better when the Senate put its tax plan on the table. I was like, all right, well, okay, that's a starting point, and now maybe they'll find some way of, of being in the middle or resolve the situation. And the, the longer it goes on without actually resolving it, the more I'm like, oh, I see what I'm doing in the actual spring, not just the days that feel like the spring. <laughs> I see where I'll be. <laughs> it's, it's when you say to your wife, honey, I think of it the capital more than I thought. I, I hear what you're saying. Hey, Brad, they danced around a, a little bit with up. a couple things earlier. This, Yeah. They danced around a little bit this session with government and religion. Um, 
they passed that bill that says you have to put in God we trust up in schools. Uh, this past week there was talk about requiring intelligent design to be taught in schools, which certainly many feel is a religious doctrine that really doesn't belong in schools. Uh, but they're currently dealing with a very direct issue of government and religion. Uh, RIFRA, that's the nickname we all call it, RIFRA, which, which they dealt with a couple of years ago but didn't, didn't bring it to fruition. Religious Freedom Act, basically. Tell me about that. Yeah, it was it was the major controversy of 2016. If you and your listeners remember that, I mean, it it, it was very emotional. A lot of focus on it. Uh, the House passed the Religious Freedom Restoration Act pretty overwhelmingly that year, but it got into the Senate, which was more evenly split at that time. It was an 18 to 16 Senate, and in particular. Um, Mitch Carmichael, who was the majority leader in the Senate at the time, spoke out against this bill, the the way it would potentially allow members of society to treat um, members of the LGBTQ community, uh, how it would look to the business community from the outside, potential investors. Uh, So he he wound up against it, and it, it was watered down in the Senate on amendment stage and then voted down um, on, on third reading on passage and just, I mean, everybody was just worn out in the Senate at that point. So now it's back. And it, it was brought up yesterday in the house judiciary committee. It's a, it's a pretty broad bill. It's only, only maybe a page, a page and a half. And it essentially says that, you know, all things being equal, um, government interests shouldn't override, shouldn't put a burden on the individual's religious interest. And so, I mean, it's, it's so 30,000 feet described that, that there was a lot of talk in the House Judiciary Committee about practical ways it might actually be applied. And it's, it's a little bit hard to imagine, but, you know, one of the things I think is that it, it seems likely or even possible that well, one way or another, but the, the cities that have um, non-discrimination ordinances, that, that potentially this Religious Freedom Act could be used in court for, for individuals who that would be affected by a non-discrimination ordinance or, or landlords who rent property. If, if they don't want to do business with gay people or transgender people, um, they potentially could use this Religious Freedom Restoration Act as one of their arguments in court to, to not provide that service. Uh, that, that is a possibility. It doesn't say that in black and white in the law, but if you sort of extrapolate and you think, well, how would it be used? That, that's one of the things that came to mind for me and for other delegates who were debating the issue. Well, it, I mean, the, I read the bill. It's as you said. It's, I don't usually read the bills. I'm not hoppy careful, but I do. I did read this one because it's fairly short, um, and it specifically says state and local laws. So this would, you know, would be involving state and local laws. Here in Wheeling, we have an anti-discrimination ordinance for LGBTQT, and so uh, it it would at least theoretically uh, override that or give anybody who doesn't like that anti-discrimination bill here in Wheeling an opportunity to take it uh, take it to court. And one of the things I always wonder about, and I don't know if they talked about this yet, uh, yesterday or not, Bob, uh, Bob, 
uh, Brad, what is, what is what is it what does it mean to burden? I mean, that's a it's an interesting word. I think we can all kind of sort of figure it is, but is it a if you're a landlord, which means that what you do is rent property to other people, uh, is it a burden if you are not if you are forced to rent to people that you don't like? Is that a burden? I I don't know. I suppose they might feel that way, but what is a burden even? I mean, this is a very uh, nebulous bill in some ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's very sort of up in the thirty thousand feet zone, and and that kind of thing. What does it mean to burden? I think would have to be determined in court. You know, in in almost dealing with precedent, but also in in every individual case. Uh, also, deeply held religious beliefs. You know, what is what would that mean necessarily in court? How do I? How would I? I believe you are. You have deeply held religious beliefs, but how do I know what they are? If, if, if I'm a judge or on a jury, <laughs> uh, you know, and so those those practical applications are uh, sort of difficult to determine. But you know, there there was talk yesterday about you know if if I if my religion causes me to to deeply believe um, that the the man is in charge of his own household. And that extrapolates to the man having a very heavy-handed view of discipline in the home uh, to the degree that some Literally people heavy-handed, it, you know, yeah. Yeah. abuse yeah. or domestic violence. Um, could, could that be used under this, this, this concept to say, well, I have a deeply held religious belief, and it means that the man, you know, controls the household? Um, maybe. I don't, you know, it's... it's it's something that that would have to act in conjunction with this 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 aspect of West Virginia law, along with the specifics in the court case, along with some explanation of what my deeply held religious beliefs are. If I interpreted your story correctly, <coughs> WVMetroNews.com, which people can certainly go and read for themselves, uh, one of the big supporters of the bill is uh, Delegate Chris Pitt of Pripp who would seem to say, in response to what you're saying, well, that's the point of the bill. This way we'll go to court, and the courts can decide whether it is a deeply held religious belief, whether it is truly a religious policy on which they're standing. That's why we have this bill, so now we can we can take it to court. That's the purpose of it. I think that's probably what Pritt would say, based on what I read in your, in your article. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the classic case is the, uh, the, the baker with the wedding cake. For um, a gay couple, and, and so should if if the baker has a deeply held religious belief that uh, I'm not saying I believe this, but if that belief is homosexuality is a sin, should the, the baker in their private business be made to make a cake? I mean, if, if I were in that situation, I'd probably go elsewhere for my cake. But um, right. you know, that's that's the question. And and Pritt's view is that the, the force of government shouldn't come down against the, the small business and, and how they operate. Um, but, you know, there are other examples on the other side. Uh, and, you know, and you could you could look at the other side of that very case, uh, the couple just trying to get married, having, uh, you know, a, a, a long-term commitment, and, <laughs> you know, they can't get a wedding cake. Uh, so it's... You can, you can. Well, or, or worse, again, real life examples. Uh, Brad, uh, we had the, uh, the, the, where was it? Georgia, someplace. The clerk who wouldn't, uh, who didn't want to issue marriage licenses to gay couples. 
not do her stated duty. I mean, so so I'm a a DMV clerk and a transgender person comes up to the window wanting a driver's license. Do do I, under this, have the ability to say, I'm not not helping you with your driver's license? (laughs) I don't don't know where it ends. I mean, I I guess it's... um, well, and again, and that's that's what I think supporters suggested is, okay, well, the, that's very good. You go up to the DMV, and, and, and the DMV says, hmm, I don't thought, yeah, I don't, my religion says I don't give you a license. You would now have a chance to take that to court. Well, now what, now now we're off to the races. <laughs> In the meantime, I want to drive. But no, you got to go to the courts. That'll drag out, so it's a big deal. A, a couple of folks, uh, as I understand it, yesterday suggested it's more than just the practical impact of this could it lead to excuses for child abuse could it lead to excuses for bigotry you know i think we have to be careful i'm just there's a distinction between there should be a distinction between truly held religious beliefs and plain bigotry and i think that's that's a big issue but so those are the practical matters a couple of folks suggested yesterday brad if i understand correctly that we have to look at what does this do for the image of the state as well Mm mm-hmm yeah, and, you know, a lot of these companies that West Virginia is seeking investment from, they have non-discrimination policies themselves. And so, you know, if you're looking at Form Energy, it's it's pretty progressive. And as a, as a matter of symbolism, if West Virginia were to embrace a law like this, what, what would it say about the state when these – I mean, West Virginia's been on such a run of these, um, these, these investments, um, Nucor – Form, Berkshire Hathaway, all of them are, you know, have their own policies that are that are pretty progressive. And so, you know, if, if West Virginia does enough of these things, the argument is, what does it say about being welcoming? And, you know, procedurally, where is this? Also doesn't no, have enough workers for all of these. And so West Virginia is going to have to recruit new citizens. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, do, do people see this kind of law and say, I don't know about moving there? Uh, yeah, it's, it's in no, the, it, it passed, it passed the Judiciary Committee yesterday. Um, it's just got to, ne- next week is crossover day, so it's got to get out of the House if it stands a chance as legislation, I think, by Wednesday. Uh, so it's, it's only assigned to the one committee. It's potentially on track to do so. Uh, I, I think the makeup of the House is such that it, that it passes. In the house, and I, I All right. the Senate make up too. I, I think you know, when I described six years ago, seven years ago, that was a very narrow majority in the Senate, but it's not anymore. So, good, good chance no. it's headed to the governor. She's, did you see uh, Senator Manchin when he was there yesterday? Uh, I, I missed his live appearance, but I thought it was pretty neat that oh. he was, you know, back at the Capitol running around. He apparently met with. Uh, Senator Blair and Speaker Hanshaw, and so uh, right back where he feels potentially the most comfortable. A little irony. I was thinking just the day before, and I was going to ask you or Stephen the next time I talk to you guys, does Justice ever show up at all at, during during the uh, legislature? You know, I, he, he just does he ever show up? Does he ever come down and you know talk to people? I was thinking that in my head, and I, I think the answer is not very often, but you can tell me if I'm wrong. But I thought it was interesting. There was the former governor wandering around, talking to everybody, offering advice, and so on. An interesting little little distinction between, I think, uh, Governor Justice and Governor Manchin. Yeah, I think people come to meet him usually over at the mansion. Uh, I, I have seen <laughs> Governor Justice 
Capitol in past years, he would go to um, he would go to caucuses. You may remember the time he called Senate Majority Leader Brian Ferns a poodle uh, back when there was a, a disagreement in a caucus. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're listening out there, Ryan Ferns, apologies for bringing that up. But, uh, you know, he, he, he did the thing one year where he there was a budget standoff, and he put the Senate leadership in one room, the House leadership in another room, Senate minority in a room, and House minority in a room, and he went for like two days, room to room, trying to work the budget standoff. He was, he went special session on charter schools, he showed up on the, the Senate stairs into the Senate chamber a few years ago and said, I don't like this charter schools bill. And they were just enraged. So sometimes you can do more harm than good by showing up in person. But he, he I think, has learned that and, you know, maybe, maybe strategically is letting things go their own way until he needs to intervene. Fred, we'll follow you. I, I will follow you certainly on Twitter throughout the day because it gives me a good sense of what's happening. We'll think it, check things out at wvmetronews.com. I will assume at some point we'll hear you today on Hoppy Kerchival Show. And uh, as you have your track shoes on, running quickly towards the end of the session and maybe a special session, who knows, uh, we'll probably have you back in the pretty near future to keep on top of things. Appreciate you coming by today, though, as I always do. Thanks a lot. Enjoy the springtime. Well, thanks, Howard. Will do. Now, 7.37, 23 till the hour. Brad McElhaney is the statewide correspondent for Metro News, and um, uh, he's got a good sense of humor. He's got a, uh, I mentioned uh, Senator Manchin earlier, Bob, having a sly approach to things. Brad's got a sly sense of humor. you got to listen carefully sometimes to things he's dropping in there, but he drops some pretty neat stuff in there. Let's uh, get some headlines in here. Uh, Taylor Long is here from uh, WTRF-TV. We'll check a quick sports for you. Mr. Slider has Slider on sports coming up a little bit later on. And Adam's got the full springtime forecast not far away. 738, 22 till the hour. We are the Watchdog Morning Show.